Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped round Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. Happy Easter. Good to see you all. Do turn back to John chapter 20. Uh, So you can follow along and let's pray, shall we, as we begin. Loving Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful passage, this passage that that can give us great hope. And I pray that you'd be with us today, you'd give us clarity to to see what you have to say to us through this passage uh, and how it can be such great news and such great encouragement for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been let down by something that promised a lot? Uh, Here's one example for you. I can't believe it's not butter. That is some promise, isn't it? And let's be honest, you can believe it's not butter if you actually compare it to proper, nice butter. It doesn't stand up. It doesn't, doesn't deliver on what it promises. And there's lots of things in life that are like that, aren't there? Lots of things, maybe even bigger things than that, like that dream holiday that you're looking forward to and you get home and you think, it just didn't quite live up to it. Or maybe that job you've been looking for for so long and it just didn't quite work out. And there's other things as well, aren't there? So our, things like relationships, our marriages, our families, our friends, the things that, that we think are going to satisfy us and then don't. And we end up feeling maybe uncertain and disappointed, confused. Well, I wonder if that's how Jesus' disciples, Jesus' followers were feeling uh, as we come to this passage today. They had followed Jesus for, for years. 
They'd been with him. They had seen everything that he'd done, all of the amazing miracles, uh, his control over the, the natural world, providing great feasts, uh, healing people, and so much more. They had heard everything that he had to say, all of the amazing teachings that he had, uh, he had given them about God's kingdom, uh, about the gospel. And they'd realized that he was the Messiah, the promised one, sent from God to to save them. And it was going so well. Everything was going so brilliantly until a few days ago when Jesus comes to Jerusalem and is arrested and then sentenced uh, to death and then executed on a brutal cross. Can you imagine the, the, the shock it must have been? be one of his closest followers for that just to so suddenly happen they're thinking why why has this happened why why did he not escape miraculously and his body is taken down we see at the end of chapter 19 he's buried in a tomb his body is wrapped up in cloth with spices kind of basically just like any other Jewish person would be buried nothing special and then laid in this tomb A stone rolled in front to prevent access. It just must have been such a stunning, shocking event for his followers. Jesus had promised so much. Well, what hope was there now? The hope that they had was gone because he was dead. His body was cold in the ground. He spent a whole day probably in complete shock, maybe even just starting to process what was going on. And eventually, well not eventually, a day later, what came next? It was life-changing, world-changing events. It's why we're here together as a church today. It's because of what happened next. So let's look at this passage. What we see first is that the tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. It's the first day of the week. It's like something new is coming, something new is happening. But it's still dark. It must have been really dark. It wasn't like street lights and light pollution like we're used to. It would have been really dark. It's early. And Mary goes to the tomb. And to her amazement, she sees that the stone had been rolled away. And that Jesus' body was gone. It wasn't there anymore. Can you imagine the shock? Just imagine today, if I don't know, you went to the grave of a loved one. And it was just a sort of, it was dug up and just empty. It would be appalling, wouldn't it? Be, you wouldn't be able to believe your eyes. What's happened? Someone's stolen the body, she thinks. She runs to the disciples, runs to Peter, runs to John, tells them what's happened. And you see, they run back. Uh, John often describes himself as the other disciple. Uh, and it's interesting that he, he puts in a little detail like, I'm faster than Peter. He got to the tomb first. He got to the tomb first, but Peter was the one that actually went inside first. That boldly went in to see what had happened. And they see something incredible. They see the linen that had been covering Jesus, the cloths that he was wrapped in, are still there. They're still there. Now, no grave robber would leave those behind. Can you imagine? You've got this dead body and it's kind of a bit sticky with the spices and the cloths. You're not going to peel them off and then carry the body off. You just wouldn't do it. 
especially because there was value in the cloth. You'd want to keep those. They go in and they see the cloth is still there. And even more, they see the cloth that was wrapped on Jesus' head. It, it had been kind of folded up and set aside. It doesn't, it's a bit clearer in other translations. It talks about being rolled up and, and placed down. Almost as if the dead person had, had got up and put it aside and put it down. Amazing. You see what happens in verse 8? They, they see and believe. Or he saw and believed. That's what it says. They didn't understand that Jesus had to rise in there, but they believed. So it's this kind of middle ground. They're, they're confused. They believe that something has happened. They believe that Jesus is alive, but they don't understand why yet. They don't understand the significance of what's happened yet. But you see, the real importance we see here is, is what they saw. The, the eyewitness accounts. What they saw is really important. What they saw led them to believe. The tomb was empty. Jesus is alive. And that's the news that they, they will be spreading soon. Now, in our world today, I'm aware, aren't we, that there is fake news everywhere. Isn't there? How do we know what to trust? We have AI that can kind of write uh, essay answers for us. We have Photoshop that can doctor any kind of image. How do we know what to trust? How do we know what to believe? And this, you know, John's account is from thousands of years ago, 2,000 years ago. How are we supposed to trust this? Was it not just insignificant people kind of trying to make a name for themselves, trying to kind of put, put these things forward to, so that they might gain something for themselves? I don't think so. This is not fake news because they were willing to die for this news. If you put on a hoax, if you, if you make something up and then you face... I don't know, arrest and a beating and then death for it. You're going you're gonna to own up, aren't you? At least someone's going to own up and say, yeah, okay, we made it up. It's not true. But they, th that never happened. The disciples were changed. They were willing to die because they knew that Jesus was alive. That it changed them forever. It changed them forever. The fact that Jesus is alive made all the difference. And that's what we see next, that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. We see in verse uh, 10, the disciples kind of go back to where they're staying. Probably to talk with the other disciples, talk with those and, and talk about what's going on. And it's almost like as they leave, Mary is still on her way back to the tomb. They somehow kind of miss each other. Because Mary's still thinking that something's happened to his body. She's sat there crying at the entrance. In despair, in confusion. And then we get these amazing moments. Look at verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent in to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. So she sees these two angels there in the tomb sitting where Jesus had been laid. And they're confused. They're saying, well, why are you crying? It's almost like, you don't need to cry. There's good news here. There's something to rejoice over. Why are you crying? It's almost as if she should know by now that something momentous has happened. But as she's explaining, I don't know what's happened. She realizes someone's standing behind her. 
Ah, maybe he knows. Maybe the gardener, she thinks, of course, he might have seen someone. He might, have, he might be a witness. He might see who took the body away. Maybe he was even involved. And she hears the same question, the same message. Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She wants to find Jesus. She's asking for help. She's pleading. And then he speaks her name. He speaks her name. says, Mary. And it's like, that's the moment. That's the moment. Her eyes are opened. And she realizes that Jesus is standing right in front of her. And her weeping turns to joy. Her despair turns to excitement. She cannot believe it. Jesus is alive. Now, it does seem strange, doesn't it? How, how does Mary, who was with him so much, not recognize him straight away? It may have just been the fact that she couldn't see very well because there were so many tears in her eyes. And she's not expecting a dead to be standing there. But actually, we see through, through the accounts of the resurrection that actually it happens repeatedly. They don't quite recognize Jesus straight away until he almost reveals himself. There's, there's a sense that Jesus' body was new, was different, was, uh, was special. If you go to 1 Corinthians 15, read that chapter all about the resurrection. It talks about a resurrection bodies being raised as a spiritual body. No longer a natural body, but a spiritual one. So it's kind of similar, but it, it's recognizable, but it's different. It's, it's better. It's kind of like the, the shadow we're used to seeing com- contrasted with the actual object casting the shadow. It, it's so much better and greater. Jesus was alive. And Mary is holding tight, almost. Doesn't want to let him go. Do you see that in verse 17? It reads a bit strange, doesn't it? Because Jesus is like, uh, don't, don't hold on to me. And it sounds a bit mean, doesn't it? Or why is he not letting her kind of embrace him? Well, it's, 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 it's a sense, really, I think I'm trying to figure this out, but kind of, I think the, the idea is saying, well, look, I'm not leaving yet. She's almost clinging to her. I, I don't want to lose you again, Jesus. And he's saying, that's okay. I, I haven't ascended yet. I'm in the process of that. Right now is the time to go and tell the others the good news, to go, to go and share the good news with other people. That I'm alive, that, that, that I'm returning to, to God the Father. And so Mary does that. She goes and she tells the disciples that she has seen the Lord. He was dead and he is alive again. There's no more need to mourn, no more need to fear. And we'll, you can read ahead. Uh, take, you know, take this passage home, re- read more about what happens when Jesus appears to his disciples. Uh, and the, the change it makes in their lives. It is news that changes the world, isn't it? Just these few days, and it makes all the difference. And indeed, before long, they are in the streets of Jerusalem proclaiming that Jesus is alive. They're calling people to believe in him, to trust in him. Jesus sends his Holy Spirit to them so that they preach with truth and with power. It is incredible news. But maybe you're sitting thinking, well, that was so long ago. So what? What has it got to do with me today? Why do I need to know about Jesus being alive? Well, that's the challenge for us today. Will you let this world-changing news change your world, change your life? And let me give you two ways I think it's shit. Firstly, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus 
and you will be saved. That's a quote from Acts 16. Uh, and it's, it's, it's what we're here to, it's what I'm here to, to, to preach and proclaim. That we have the, these truths in God's word, written all those years ago, but they've been passed down to us so that we might believe and, and have life. Remember the importance of what they saw in this chapter. All the things they experienced, they witnessed themselves. But if you skip ahead to verse 29 and, uh, and through to 31, see what Jesus says to his disciples. Uh, because you have seen me, Jesus says, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. See, his disciples believed because they saw. They saw, they, they witnessed him, they, they spoke with him, they touched him. We can't do that, but we can believe. We can have faith in him. We can trust him because of what they saw, because it wasn't made up, because it isn't imagined. This happened. This is true. This is not a mistake. Jesus is alive. And he is worth believing in. It's worth putting our trust in that. Do you see what it says? Because if we believe, we have life in his name. We thought about that on Friday, on Good Friday. Uh, Jim uh, talking about how the cross gives us life. And it took a while for that to kind of become clear. We, we saw, didn't we? They, they still didn't understand. They believed he had rose, but they didn't understand why. But it wasn't long before the Holy Spirit revealed the, the huge significance that the cross makes. And later on, Paul writes these words in 1 Timothy. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, he says. That's why he came. He came to save sinners. And on the cross, he did that by taking the punishment for sin on himself, taking the judgment of the Father that, that we deserve so that we could be freed, so that we could have life, so that we could be saved and clean from our sin forever. He said on the cross, it is finished. He bore it all. It was taken away. It was completely paid for. And he makes a way for us to be part of God's family. Isn't that a staggering? Did, did you notice that, what, what Jesus says? These staggering claims uh, in verse, um, verse 17. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father. It's like, you're my brothers. The family relationship. And it's like, not just my father, but your father. We have that same kind of relationship with God the Father as God the Son does because of what he has done. Staggering reality to know God. So Jesus, risen again, proof that it was done. Proof that it was finished. That death no longer had any hold on him. The punishment was paid for. He was risen and hope is certain that there can be life forever with Jesus. Isn't that wonderful to know that? The hope that comes from that, the security that comes from knowing that we are loved, knowing that we're saved by a risen saviour. No wonder they went and told everyone they could because they couldn't stop themselves sharing about this wonderful news. They didn't want anyone to, to, to come before God without knowing his son. We should do that too. And let me encourage you, if you're not 
a follower of Jesus, if you're not a believer, it is not too late today. You can turn to him and confess your sin and receive his forgiveness and receive eternal life, life forever with him. So if you're feeling weighed down today, weighed down by your past and burdened by your sin, maybe troubled by current circumstances, current struggles, current difficulties, Jesus is here for you and he welcomes you as you are. Come to him just saying, acknowledging who you are, saying sorry for for all that you've done wrong and he will forgive you. He will welcome you into his family. What a wonderful thing to do on Easter Sunday. Come and speak to me afterwards if you want to know more about that. Secondly, no need to fear the future or death. No need to fear the future or death. I said this week I've been at Word Life, the the conference, and it was great, great time. About four and a half thousand people, I think, there, worshipping God, great fellowship, great teaching. Uh, And we got to see some really good friends of ours. Uh, Some of Joy's godparents were there, and we got to catch up with them, which was lovely. Um, But actually, during the week, uh, the husband got some news that his uh, mother, his mother is called Dee, his mother was dying. Uh, she'd had a cancer diagnosis in October. They weren't, she was doing okay at the start of the week and just had a very sudden decline. And so they, they left in the middle of the conference. They, they rushed home to see her. And then sadly, she, she died. Dee died on Good Friday morning. She died. Her family were there with her. It was not what my friend expected when he packed up his family to go to Word Life that he would only see his mother for a few more days. And life is like that, isn't it? We, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what's up ahead. And we feel the brokenness of this world so much. We feel the pain so closely. We, we grieve, especially when we lose loved ones. It's a horrible thing. But Dee was a Christian. She was a Christian. She had heard the news about Jesus. She believed she was saved. Uh, And I was able to text this to my friends, uh, these verses from 1 Thessalonians 4. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Dee is not gone. She has fallen asleep. She's now with Jesus. And there's great hope, isn't there, in the, in the sadness, in the grief? Because there's this amazing assurance that she is free from pain and filled with the joy of knowing Jesus. And he texts me back just this morning. Uh, what did he say? Let me find the message. He said, it happened very quickly in the end. There's quite a bit of shock, although the sadness is all ours. She's free from pain and with Christ. And isn't that wonderful? To be, to, she, he's grieving, but there's that hope, that amazing hope, that, 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 the difference that Jesus makes. Jesus is alive, which means if we trust him, we do not need to fear death. We do not need to fear the future. He has beaten death. Death could not hold him. He lives even now as Lord of all. That's why we're here today, to, to rejoice, to celebrate that Jesus is alive. We follow a living 
saviour. He is with us. He can empathise with us. He, he knows our pain. He knows our suffering. He knows the difficulties we experience. And he cares for us. He loves us despite our sin. Despite our failure. And that's the difference, isn't it? That's the thing that changes our lives when we understand his love for us. It means we don't need to kind of live to please ourselves anymore. It means we don't need to seek the kind of hollow pleasures of, of this world. We don't need to fear the future. We don't know what the future will bring. It, I'm, sh- you know, I'm sure for most of us there will be good times ahead. There will be hard times ahead, difficult times, painful times where there is trouble and persecution. But through this all, whatever we face tomorrow, friends, Jesus is alive. We know Jesus lives and he knows what we will face and he will give us the strength to to bear with it. Even when we face death, we do not need to fear. When we die, remember what Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. A wonderful promise from God. And it doesn't happen by our own good works. It doesn't happen by our own efforts. This is through what Jesus did. He saved us alone. It's grace alone. He saves us perfectly. His was a, a perfect rescue. It was complete. It was done. It was finished. It was something we could never do. It's not like we have to kind of, you know, do the last little bit ourselves. He rescued us completely. I'll say it again. If you're not a believer, come to him today. Find this wonderful hope. I just, I really hope that whatever this past year has has held for you, whether it's joy or grief, whatever the months and years ahead for you have, have for you. I just hope it's a moment you can pause today and, and, and look at the cross again and see that the cross gives you life if you're trusting Jesus, if you're trusting his grace. It's like the empty tomb, Jesus' life, it's that kind of, that seal, that's, it's immense, it's proof of the certain hope of trusting him. And do you remember what made the difference to Mary in verse 16? He spoke her name. The the creator of the universe, who who made the stars, who had gone to the cross in her place, spoke her name. And that's what did it for her. Friends, he speaks your name. He speaks your name. He went to the cross to save you. He loves you. He welcomes you in if you come to him in faith. Isn't that amazing, though, that the God who made the universe, the Lord Jesus, speaks our name. He knows us that intimately, that personally. We follow him. He loves us. Wonderful. Let me encourage you to cling to that truth. Cling to the one. Cling to him who speaks your name. No one else gives you life, gives you hope. We can rejoice today. Let's pray. Our Father, words cannot really express the wonderful news of the resurrection. The hope it gives us in the face of suffering and death is incredible. Thank you. Thank you that Jesus is alive. Thank you that that fills us with hope. And Lord, whatever we are going through at the minute, would you remind us of that truth? And if we are not following you, would you convict us? Help us see the wonderful good news of of trusting you, we pray. Help us to rejoice today. Help us 
express the thanks and worship that you are owed because of all that you've done in our lives. We just ask that you'd be at work in us, we pray. Amen.